Good morning. If you would like to go ahead and open your Bibles up to the book of Mark, we're going to be getting back into our, our study of, of Mark. We've, we've spent a little bit of time in this chapter, or in this book, um, over the past several weeks. And we've seen uh, throughout this uh, the, the progression of Jesus' ministry as, he's, as He has been introduced uh, in chapter 1. And, and right away we, we get just thrown into the things that were surrounding His life, the things that were going on during His life. And I think, uh, for me, of the four Gospels, Mark is probably my favorite to, to study. I've always felt like Mark was kind of a, a common man's uh, gospel, and maybe that's why it appeals to me so much. I feel maybe like a, just a common man. You see, Matthew's gospel is written uh, primarily to Jew, a Jewish audience. That's why he deals so much with the lineage of Jesus, how they can know He is the Messiah and the fulfillment of prophecy. And Luke was so detail-oriented, and John is so focused on the supernatural and the spiritual deity of Jesus, Mark just really gets into it and says, here's Jesus, here's who He is, let me describe you to, to you what He has done. And, and, and so for that reason, I think is one of the, time, the reasons I enjoy studying this book so much. And I've really um, enjoyed preparing these lessons, I hope that they've been profitable for you. But we're getting to a chapter in Mark that is probably one of my favorite chapters of this book, and that is chapter 5. Um, as, we, as we detail these, these various uh, accounts of Jesus' life, one thing that we have seen is His, his display of, of His supernatural ability, His power over, over creation. We saw that last week with the way that He tamed the, the winds and the waves on the sea. And now having crossed over into the region known as the, the Gerasenes, um, he is going to shift from his power over top of creation to his power over men as well. Uh, Hendrickson, one commentator wrote, he is not, after taming a wild sea, Jesus now goes to tame a wild man. And I like the way that he described that because chapter 5 certainly describes a very wild man. We see a man possessed by unclean spirits, unable to be bound, unable to be controlled, being tormented. And as Jesus approaches these spirits, recognizing Him, they cry out to Him. And, and there's this interaction that is recorded. Let's read that together. Verses 1-20, through 20, a bit of a lengthy reading, uh, yet so much that we can learn from this. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him any more, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up <clears throat> and he bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country, and now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountains. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. 
Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it described it to them, how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. During this account, we have what is commonly called the, the healing of the demoniac. Jesus finds this man. Uh, this man approaches him, has all of these, these demons, these, these unclean spirits in him known as legion, for we are many. And Jesus, Jesus heals him. And when you read this passage, I remember as a young child reading this passage and thinking, man, that is the thing that horror movies are made of. This is a scary account. You have demon possessions. You have pigs running to their death. You have bloody people. It's just a scary account. But when we read through this, it seems like the most fear that we read about is not directed towards this self-mutilating man, towards the demons that are doing things. The fear is directed towards Christ. That's where we read the fear in this passage being directed towards. And so as we learn about this, this account of Jesus healing the demoniac, I want to ask the question, who was afraid of Jesus? As we read through our account, who was it that feared Jesus? And maybe the first one we would start with are the demons. Did the demons fear Jesus? And the answer to that question is obviously yes, justifiably yes. They had a reason to fear Him. In Mark chapter 5, verse 7, they were begging Him. When Jesus is, is calling them out, they were saying, please don't, don't torment us. They are asking Him not to send them out of the country. Maybe your, your translation may say something about the, uh, into the abyss there. But Jesus uh, uh, comes here and they have this immediate reaction to Him. This immediate groveling and begging Him not to torment them. And again, I say it's justifiably so. Because in 1 John 3, verse 8, we learn the purpose of Jesus' life on earth. One of the purposes. It says the one who practiced sin is, the devil, is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. I think, I th I think we can see pretty easily demons being uh, practicers of, 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 of Satan being those who are one and the same with Satan. And so Jesus came for the purpose of destroying His works, destroying His power on earth. They had a reason to fear Him. He was there to destroy their power, to destroy their works. But also in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, another account like this, we find that, that they, they know that there is something stored up for them. They say, what business do we have with each other, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? They know there is a time reserved where God is going to torment. God is going to place the demons into torment. And we can read more about that in Matthew 25, verse 41. He says, Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Satan understands. The forces of Satan understand they're on a losing battle. 
They're not winning this war. There is a time set aside that they will be tormented, and they know that. Justifiably so, they fear Jesus. And perhaps, maybe that gives more insight to James chapter 2, verse 19, which says, the demons, believing in God, still tremble. They are afraid because they know who God is, what God is going to do. So the demons who were legion were terrified of Jesus. But what about the townspeople? The townspeople were terrified of Jesus. And I can't, say un, I can't say justifiably so for them. They didn't have a reason to fear Him. When they came and saw that what Jesus had done, when they saw this man who, who probably many of them had tried to help in the past, who had been bound, who had been broken those binds, who couldn't be tamed, who was now healed in his right mind, they were filled with fear. Mark chapter 5, verse 17 said they were just pleading with Jesus. You think of those those demons begging that Jesus not torment them. Now you have people begging Jesus not to stick around in the area. He has come and done this great deed, this wonderful act, and because they can't explain it, maybe? Because it's just, this is unknown. How can this happen? This, we, we, we can't explain how this man who has, has so long had this problem, we can't explain why these, these swine fled down and, and drowned themselves, but there's just too much here that I don't know, I don't like it, I just want you to leave. Please get out of our presence. The fear of the unknown or the unwilling to learn more about is what, is what deprived them of probably the, definitely the greatest blessing that's come into their lives. The greatest blessing to mankind has, has landed on the shores of this town, performs a miracle, and, and because they're afraid of it, they say, get away, leave, go. We don't want you here. And it's smothering the blessings that they could have received from that. So yes, the townspeople of the region, they were afraid, but foolishly afraid of learning more about who Jesus is and what Jesus had come to do. And lastly, we'd consider maybe the demoniac. The man healed by Jesus, was he afraid? And again, the answer to that question is going to be, of course, no. No, he was not afraid. Not only was he not afraid of Jesus, he comes to him and begs Jesus, please take me with you. I've had a taste of what you can do. I've seen your power. It has worked in my life and I want to be with you. And yet, even when Jesus says no, no, you're not going to be with me. You're going to stay here. He exhibits a great courage because he's not afraid, even though likely his family is part of this townspeople. Jesus says, you go tell people what has happened. You go tell people what the power of God has done for you. And he says, I will do that. And he goes and he tells others and they marvel Mark chapter 5, verse 20 says, of the great things that had been done. So he who was healed by Jesus was not afraid of Jesus, was not afraid to talk about Him. So maybe a better question instead of asking who is afraid of Jesus, a better question to ask today would be, should we be afraid of Jesus? Should we fear Jesus? And the answer to that question is absolutely. Yes, we should be afraid of Jesus. And yet at the same time, no, we should not. Yes, we should be afraid of Jesus. We should fear Him if we're not ready for the coming of the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, Paul writes, "...to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels and flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction." 
away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Very similar to what's said about Satan and about his angels. For those of us who are not prepared for, for the return of Jesus, for those of us who are not ready for the coming of the Lord, for those of us who, who are not ready to repent of our sins, to turn away from the things that separate us from God, we should fear Jesus. He is coming as a judge. And that should give us a great reason to fear. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 and 46, we talked about that everlasting fire prepared for the, for the angels, or for the devil and his angels. But what he said right prior to that was that while it's prepared for them, he's casting those on his left side, those who he never knew, those who never knew him, those who were committing lawlessness who are not walking according to His authority and, and, and walking under Him in subjection to Him as a king. He says, those of you who are on My left, you will be cast into a place prepared for the devil and his angels. We have a reason to be afraid if we are not ready for the coming of the Lord. But we should not be afraid of learning about Jesus. Think about Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. A passage like that should, make, should not make me fear Jesus. It should make me want to come to Him, to want to learn from Him. It's His invitation to those who are downtrodden, to those who are beaten down, to, to come to Me. He's calling us and we should never be afraid to learn more about Him. We should never be afraid to come to Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 is another great example of that that tells us coming to Jesus isn't something that should fill us with fear because it's where we receive spiritual blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So while yes, we should be afraid if we're not ready to meet Him, if we're not ready for the Lord to come, we should not be afraid to learn about Him. That fear should not drive us away from coming to Him. That fear should not stop us from obeying Him. Think about what He says in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, if you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But then He goes on to add to that in verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son does remain forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Obeying Jesus is the only way that we have freedom from our bondage of sin, from the, the, the deplorable state that we, are, that we find ourselves in because of sin. And so a fear of Jesus should never be a fear that pulls us away from obedience. And I would hope that it would never be a fear that stops us from telling others about Jesus and about what He has done for us as well. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to be ready to make a defense. That phrase, apology, I apologize, we really don't use that word correctly today. The apology is to give an answer for something, to give a reason for something. We should be able to make apology for the hope that is in us. That's where we get the phrase apologetics. This is why I believe what I believe. And so when someone comes to us and says to me, why do you believe in this Jesus? Why do you have this changed life? 
Let us not be afraid to tell them what He has done for us. And let them marvel at His greatness the way that the man healed of these demons did. You see, we should not be afraid to draw near to Jesus. But maybe why? Why is it that we should not be afraid? And this is the reason why I think I like Mark chapter 5 so much. It's because in Mark chapter 5, we find that Jesus is not afraid of us. You might think to yourself, why on earth would Jesus be afraid of us? As we said, this is a scary situation that we read about here. A man possessed by demons. A man who dwells among the tombs. I'm going to tell you, that doesn't sound like a real hospitable place to me. I don't think we should picture these uh, beautiful uh, landscaped and manicured uh, cemeteries that we have today. We should picture a very, a very dirty, dark place uh, where, where bodies are, are kept after they die. This isn't something that is, that is going to draw up pictures uh, of somewhere you really want to be. But yeah, this is the place where this man lived. And not only did he live in these places, but you get the idea that while people had tried to help him, at this point they've kind of given up on him. They, they had tried to help him by binding him with chains. You remember he's cutting himself. He's mutilating his body. He's screaming out in torment from, from among the mountains and the tombs. And so they go and they try to help him by chaining him and shackling him. And he breaks those chains and shackles. Some sort of supernatural strength that we read about that he seems to have in these places. That's a scary sight. And not only on top of that, but as we read through here, we learn that when they find him, they're shocked because he is sitting down. He's in his right mind, but it also says that he's clothed. In Luke's account, Luke describes him as being naked. And so we have this, this wild, naked, bloody, dirty man. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to helping somebody like that. I see somebody like that and that, that, that is screaming and has this supernatural power. And that's a little scary and intimidating to someone like me. Maybe not to you, but to me, that is definitely intimidating. That didn't scare Jesus. Jesus isn't afraid to get involved with someone with this kind of filth in their lives. This kind of man literally covered in filth. And that tells me a lot about who Jesus is. That should tell us a lot. And Maybe we think to ourselves, yeah, but my, my life is not as scary as that man's life. That man was demon-possessed. That is completely different than my life. And while I do not believe that demon possession occurs today in the way that we read about in Scripture, let us make no mistake, Satan still has the ability to control. Satan still has the ability to influence mankind today. Whenever we are controlled by, by anger, when we are controlled by wrath and greed and lust, are these not tools of the devil to manipulate and to, to control the minds of people who should be following God. Whenever we are in sin, that's what we look like to God. The picture of this demonic, crazed man, bloody, filthy, naked, not in their right mind. That's the image of us to the Lord. And at a time when we look like that, God said, I will send my son. A son that's described in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. I love the way he's described there. Flip over. We don't have this one on the screen, but Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And as, as John begins to, to 
described this vision. He says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the rulers of the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us. And the New American Standard says released us, but the New King James Version says washed us from our sins by His blood. I don't know everything that transcribed after that swine ran down the hill. But I do know that the people were shocked to find this man controlled, not out of control, but under control. He was sitting down. He was clothed. He was in his right mind. I, have a, I, I, I read this. I picture that Jesus didn't just tell these demons, get out of this man, and then went about his way. But maybe there was some other interaction that went on after that. Maybe he washed him. Maybe he helped find him some clothes. I don't know. But what I do know is the picture we see is a complete change from what he was. Jesus took him and took him from a man who was completely under the control of Satan and moved him from that to something that looked so much different. And he did it because he loved him. He was not afraid of him. He loved him. And as Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says, He has a love for us as well. He loves us and He washes us, releases us from her sins. That should also tell us something then about our lives. The lives that we're called to live. If this man had this drastic change that was visible to others, that they were able to look at him and see something is different here, should we not have a change in our lives as well? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read oftentimes that this not being conformed to the world, but being transformed, having a renewed mind. This man, this man literally says when they found him, he was in his sound mind. We need to have a renewed mind like that. A mind that no longer is looked at by the world as one that is out of control, that is under the impulses of Satan, but one that is sound. We need to be in our right minds. We need to be transformed from our old self, which conformed to the world, into a new self, which conforms to Christ. So we who have been saved by Jesus, we should never be afraid of Him. He wasn't afraid of us. He wasn't afraid to love us. And He wasn't afraid to die for us. When we go back over this account, we find the demons afraid of Jesus, and rightfully so. We find the, the townspeople afraid of Jesus, unrightfully so causing them to, to miss out on blessings. And then we find one who is not. One who was healed by Jesus. One who told others about Jesus. Who are we going to be like in this story? We may hate to say it. There are times in our life where we're like those demons who know, who know that there's no hope for them. They continue on in what they're doing, and yet they continue on in what they're doing. Unrepentant. If there's sin in our life that we refuse to repent of, sin in our life that we refuse to acknowledge, then we're making ourselves just like those demons. And we have every reason to fear Jesus. But we also have every reason to know that He's not afraid to help us. He's not afraid to love us. And He has done so. So, will we be like the townspeople who let fear not cause us to come to Him not cause us to learn about Him, not cause us to obey Him? Or will we be like the ones who will be healed, who will come to Jesus for, for the salvation that He offers, and who will tell others about the glorious news of the Son of God? That's the question that I want us to, to ask ourselves this morning. And the nature of our relationship with Jesus will reveal that answer to us. Do we want to be with Him? 
Do we want to tell other people about Him? Or are we afraid of Jesus? Maybe this morning you realize that you do have a need to fear Him. There is sin in your life that you have not put away. There is sin in your life that you have not ready to give up. What is it that is holding you back? If, it is, if, if there is anything in your life that, causes you, that is causing you to be separated from God, God has given us a way to deal with that. He has not left us out where we are, we are lost and, and, and unconsolable, but rather has given us His Son to come and to, to remove from us the burden of sin. But it requires us to be obedient to Him. It requires us to come to Him and, and to be cleansed by Him. And if that is something you would desire to do this morning, to be freed from your sin because of the, the love of God, because of the power of, of His might, we want to help you do that. To repent, to turn away from, from this world, to, to make a change of heart that says, I'm no longer going to walk the way I want to walk. I'm going to walk the way God wants me to walk. To confess, as this man did, in his actions, in his words, he went around telling everyone, this is what God has done for me. I believe. I have to believe that he believed Jesus was the Son of God. Because he went and he told everyone, look at what God did for me. Are we willing to do that too? And are we willing to be baptized? Washed in the waters to, to have our sins washed away. That is the purpose of Jesus coming. To destroy the power of Satan. And He destroys the power of Satan by giving us the power to overcome. Giving us the power to be made whole and to be made clean and to be hidden in the eyes of God in the life of Christ. If we can help you with that this morning, won't you please let us know. Come forward as we stand and as we sing.